So after church, a lot of times, I'll hear a discussion that goes something like this. I don't know, where do you want to eat? Well, I don't know, where do you want to eat? And it's kind of one of those things. Today we're talking about decisions. Let me see if I can get that working. Decisions. Some decisions are obviously more important than others. And so where you eat, typically that is solved when somebody says, um, well, pastor said something about Long John Silver's today. And then the wife will say, we're not going there. And then it gets easier. So uh, that's kind of how it works. Uh, But we have these decisions in life. I read a really interesting article In 2017, there was uh, wildfires in California, and they kind of came up quickly in some places, and so folks were in their homes, and then they were told to evacuate, and sometimes they only had about 15 minutes to figure out what to take. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but it's kind of a nice, I don't know if it's nice, an interesting exercise to think through. If you had 15 minutes, what would you take as you exited your home? Um, So in this article, there was one woman, she was a violinist, and she took her violin, which makes some sense. Uh, One golfer took his golf clubs, which also kind of makes some sense. Uh, There was a bride-to-be. She had already bought her dress. I'm a father of daughters. I know how big deal that was, and so, or that is, and so she took her dress, because she had her dress already picked out for her wedding. Tragically, there was one guy, he wanted to take his pickup truck, and he couldn't get it out of the driveway because some trees had fallen, and he perished because he was trying to save his pickup truck. Um, The the most interesting one... (laughs) Uh, there was an 82-year-old woman, she grabbed her walker and a hairbrush, but not her husband's thyroid medicine. Uh, so uh, she's kind of looking out for number one. Now, we make decisions, and some decisions aren't, I mean, those are kind of important. I read about one person in that, that they wanted to grab memories. They wanted to make sure they grabbed photos and that sort of thing. And, and so that was their focus. But we have bigger decisions in life, these sort of life-determining decisions. Things like, um, where am I going to go to college? Or who am I going to marry? That's a big, big one. Uh, where am I going to live? Um, what's my occupation? What kind of field am I going to get into? I've got a 14-year-old, and, and people will ask her sometimes, what are you going to do when you grow up? And that's, hard. that's a hard question to know when you're 14 years old. How do you know what you're going to do when you grow up? And then there's the most important question that we ask ourselves is, you know, am I really going to follow Jesus? And as it gets harder and harder and more difficult in our society to follow Christ, am I going to follow through with that commitment to Jesus? Well, today we're going to look at a case study. There was a guy by the name of Lot in the Old Testament. Now, there's not a lot about Lot, which is kind of fun to say, uh, but he's in there a bit. Lot, um, his dad dies, and so as was the custom back in the day, uh, Lot's uncle took him in and trained him. Now, Lot's uncle just happened to be a guy named Abram, sometimes Abraham. In some of the texts, it's Abram. We're going to call him Abraham. If I do that, it's the same guy. His name eventually changes, so I don't want you to be confused. But Abraham was the Bill Gates of his day. He was wildly wealthy. And wealth in that era consisted of flocks. If you had um, lots of cattle or sheep or goats, that's how you knew you were really, really wealthy. And Abram became incredibly wealthy. And Lot had the good fortune of having Abraham as his uncle. And so Lot learns. He learns how to do business and how to manage uh, a farm. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm no farmer. I don't know a lot about managing farm. But, I, I mean, we do have 11 tomato plants. So uh, I don't know if that qualifies me or not. And I don't take care of those. Miriam does it. But still, um, Abraham was, was wildly wealthy. And then Lot watches, and he becomes wealthy as well. Now, 
It's really interesting in this story in uh, Genesis uh, 17, 18, around in there. Um, God says to Abraham, I need you to move. So most of us are established. We've been established here for a while. I mean, not everybody, but we get in a place. And so for me, it's easier to understand this because I've moved around. I've lived in Kentucky and Michigan and New Mexico and Missouri and and Texas and now South Carolina. Uh, That's like half the states. I've been all over the place. Um, But not everybody has done that. And so Abram has lived one place all his life. He's developed um, a business and he's gained great wealth. And then God one day says, I need you to move. I want you to move. What really makes it even more difficult is he said, I need you to move. I'm not going to exactly tell you where. Just pick up and go, and I'll tell you when you get there. Which is a really horrible thing to to ask a guy to do. But Abraham was like, yes, I'm going to do it. And Lot makes a really wise decision. He decides to go with Abraham. And there's a verse in the Bible that says this. Walk with the wise... And become wise. Because here's the truth about things. Who you walk with becomes who you are. And so if you walk with people who are afraid, you become fearful. If you walk with cynics, you become a cynic. And if you walk with people who are you know, constantly annoyed, you're going to become a person who's constantly annoyed. But if you walk with the wise, you become wise. Associate with fools and you get in trouble. It's, it's really... It's, a great, it's great to have it in Scripture, but it's kind of intuitive. We sort of know this because we've all hung out with the wrong people at one time or, or other in our lives, and, and we get to a place where we don't want to be because who you're walking with ends up where you end up. And that's how, kind of how it works. And so you have Lot, and he has great wealth, and you have Abraham, and he has great wealth, and they move, both of them together. So you're talking about Two Fortune 50 companies, some of the biggest things in the world, and they're going to the same place, and they have flocks, and they need resources. Animals need to graze, and they need to drink. This is how they need water, and so they need stuff. And so if Lot has a bunch of animals, and he needs to graze and to have water, and Abraham has lots of animals, and he needs to graze and have water, his his flocks, everybody's flock needs the same stuff. The resources were just limited. You, you just, it was just too much for the land to, to handle. And so they had to decide what to do. It, it, just, it, you know, it just happens. And so they make a choice. Now, here's what's important. Lot made a really, really, really smart choice in following Abraham. He walked with the wise. Really smart. And then they get there and they're having difficulties because even good decisions sometimes don't always work out exactly the way we think they should. And now they have to make another decision. And Abraham says to Lot, let's not allow this conflict between us to come between us or our herdsmen. I don't think, it never really acts like Lot and, and Abraham got sideways with one another. But the herdsmen were fighting with one another, which makes sense. Um, after all, we're close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you, so take your choice section of land you want, and, and we'll separate. If, if you want the land on the left, I'll go right. If you want the land on the right, I'll go left. And now Lot has in front of him a decision to make. First decision was great. I'm going to follow Abraham. Second decision ends up being not so great. And here's what's important. We can make a good decision, and that's awesome, but you can't live on that one good decision because you have to keep making wise decisions. And Lot 
didn't do that. And what I love about Abraham is here, he's the senior of the two. He's got the most uh, uh, clout. He is, uh, I mean, it would be subordinate to him. He had every right, Abraham did, to make the choice himself. But he conceded that. He chose family over possessions. It's a really, really wise decision on his part. Unfortunately, Lot doesn't reciprocate. So here's what we're going to learn about decision-making. When making important decisions, the easiest path, really important to understand this, the easiest path isn't always the best path. It's just not always the best path. Uh, in Genesis here it says, Lot looked around and he saw the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. Now, I lived in New Mexico for a while. It is beautiful. But when we lived in Artesia, New Mexico, uh, average rainfall a year is 13 inches. <laughs> we have that much water in the air right now. Uh, 13 inches. I mean, it's just like it, it, it really hardly ever rains. So it's, it's very arid. It's beautiful. I loved it, and I, I, we love to travel there. Uh, it's a great place. And we like living there, actually. But if you uh, have New Mexico or you have South Carolina and you have herds, it's a really easy decision. I mean, it's easy to say, well, I, I could try to feed them scrub grass, or I can give them what, what we have here, you know, uh, fertile plains and that kind of thing. So Lot looked at the situation, and he made an economic decision. It says here, Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set to the east, and the two men parted company. He made a selfish, though wise, economic decision. He, he made a good decision economically. But we're going to find out that wasn't the best decision. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. But the easiest decision isn't always the best decision. And he made a good economic decision. But sometimes, and you could ask somebody, somebody is in a job they love, though they don't get paid a ton, and they, they decide to go to a job that pays more, but there's more stress. Economically, it makes sense, but it may not be the best decision. I mean, do you really want all that stress? Do you want to live with that? Do you want more hours? Do you want to be away from the home more? Sometimes, you, sometimes the best economic decision isn't the best decision. Ask somebody who uh, is... Um, selling things, but they're not being incredibly honest. They're sort of being, they sell stuff that's a little cheaper, that's not as good, uh, and, and that eventually catches up to you. Uh, uh, in the short term, it's a great economic decision, but long term, it may not be. Uh, ask someone who um, bought the cheapest tool at the store, and then it breaks in the third time you use it. Economically, it sort of made sense at the time, but it may not have been in the long term, the best decision. See, the land was better, but the environment wasn't. And by that I mean this. Now, the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Now, I, I believe that Lot knew that. And what's really interesting about Lot's decision is it doesn't say he prayed about it. He, he doesn't ask God what he should do. He doesn't ask Abram what he should do. Abram's one of these wise, godly men. He's, he is close. They're, they're like father and son. He had a resource there that he just didn't tap into. He had available, it was available to him. He just chose not to talk to him. 
He, he never considers what's best for Abram. What would have been best for his mentor? What would have been best for his father figure? What would have been best for Abraham? Because really, that's what he should have done. He should have done what was best for somebody else. And what he didn't do is he didn't play the movie forward. We talk about this a lot of times. If I make this step going down this path, where will it eventually lead? And it says here, next verse, it says that Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent, there's an important word, near... Sodom. Now we just saw that Sodom, they were sinning greatly against the Lord. He, he knew it. it. It wasn't a secret. They were doing uh, wicked things. And, and Sodom knew it. And yet he pitched his tent near uh, this place. Now, for all intents and purposes, it seemed too good to be true. I mean, that's, that's like, it's too good to pass up. I can take uh, lush, fertile land, or I can take deserty land. That's an easy choice to make. However, and this is really important, I want you, to, want you to get this. If an opportunity pushes us closer to temptation and further from God, it really isn't too good to pass up. In fact, it's too bad to, to choose. Sometimes it looks like it's too good to pass up, and it really isn't. And the question of the day is, where, where, where are you pitching your tent? Are you pitching your tent uh, in the gray area of business dealings? Are you just, are you not, you know, uh, you're not reporting everything? Are you, are you a little iffy on the uh, ethics in your job? Are you pitching your tent toward being a little uh, too flirtatious at work with somebody who's not your spouse? Are you pitching your tent toward um, people who aren't living it by a godly standard? Are you hanging out? Who are you hanging out with? I mean, really, this is the question we need to ask ourselves all the time. Where have I pitched my tent? Because here's what's really interesting. Lot didn't pitch his tent in Sodom. pitched it near Sodom. He didn't go in town where there was wickedness. He sort of went close to town. And there's a verse around this in Romans that says this. Let us walk with decency. And all these are choices, by the way. We, we choose to walk with decency, as in the daylight. Not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity. And I want you to notice something. According to the Bible, there are things that aren't allowed sexually. Sexual impurity and promiscuity. We live in a society where almost, it seems like every day we're, we're told everything goes, anything goes. That's just not biblical. Yeah, you can choose to do that, but it's not biblical because the Bible tells us there are standards. And that is, we, we choose to walk in decency. Standard, husband and wife, confines of marriage, this is the standard biblically. You can do other things. Biblically, that's the choice. That's when we walk in decency, not in quarreling and jealousy. And so he's saying, look, there's a way to live your life. When you follow Christ, you, you do things in a certain way. Jesus put it this way. What we're told is, I've got to follow my feelings. Well, Jesus said, deny yourself. <laughs> Nowhere does he say, hey, follow your feelings. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple... Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. It's really difficult. Those are the things he's called us to do. And so Lot pitches his tit toward Sodom, and the Bible tells us, do not be deceived. My daddy used to quote this to me 
all the time. Bad company corrupts good morals. That's just the way it works. And here's what I know about, uh, about uh, walking too close to temptation. Every animal you see in a trap is there because it was easy. It was either the path they always take or the food seemed to be easy every time. By the way, I trapped a raccoon one time. Look how cute he is. Aw, he's so cute. And I've seen that Disney movie. Aw, Bandit or whatever he's called. So cute. So I go to pick up the cage, and he is demon-possessed. I went to pick up the cage, and it went... And it's clawing at me, and I'm like, okay, well, how do I even pick up the cage? I... I put a glove on. I mean, you know, like, that's how bad it was. A leather glove up to here, like a welder's glove. And, and I pick it up, and now I'm like, what am I going to do with it? And so I put it in my car, because that made sense. And uh, I decide to myself, I'm going to drive it up the road. And I drove 20 miles, and I know what you're just going to say. Don't come up to me after the service. It'll come back unless you go, I went 20 miles, he didn't come back. I prayed he would get hit uh, between there and my house, and he never came back. So now I get him out to the park. I was going to drop him off in a park uh, because little kids need us uh, racking around. And uh, um, it was a wilderness park, best I can remember. And I dropped him off, and I'm, I'm thinking, the way you get these, these animals out of here is you turn the cage over, and then the door falls open, and they walk out. All right, I'm scared out of my mind. I am scared out of my mind because I could just envision I'm going to flip this cage over. He's going to come out and jump on my face like on Elf. Uh, I, could just, I could just see it in my mind. This is what's going to go down. So now I'm thinking, okay, how do, I, how do I get that out of there? So I put the cage down and I find a stick, the biggest, longest log. I could hardly pick it up. And I'm thinking, and this was really dumb. Now here's what you do. Uh, you flip it over and throw it out of your car window. Uh, that would have made sense. Because now how can you get I guess it can come in the window. There's really no good way. I got a big stick. And I flipped it over. And I turned and I ran like Satan was chasing me. I mean, because I'm thinking, I know they're fast, but surely. And I'm running, I'm running like, <laughs> like a, an idiot. And I look around and that little guy just walked off. Uh, yeah, it's like he just walked off. I don't care about you, man. Every animal in a cage is there because he took the easy choice. Remember, just because it's easy doesn't mean it's right. I'll give you some examples. Which is better, fast food or good food? Fast food's easy. We choose that. Junk food is easy. We choose that. You know how much work it, it takes to, like, skin a carrot or whatever you do with a carrot. I don't know what you do with them, but don't you peel them or something? I don't know. Could you eat a brawl? I don't know. I cook them. Um, it, takes, it takes effort. So, <laughs> chips or peeling a potato. Uh, it's really pretty easy. It, it's easy. It's just not always best. Watching TV, exercise. One's easy. It's just not best. Um, sleeping in, going to church. One's easy, it's just not best. Being stingy or being generous, this is the choice that Lot made. Stinginess, greed, that's easy. Everybody does that. It's difficult to be generous. By the way, 
I know I wasn't here last week, and I do know that you all heard how much money we gave to the Piedmont Women's Center. That is nearly $2,000 right after we had made a little over $2,000 uh, for fundraising. Really great. You all are so generous, and I really appreciate that. I just think that's awesome. But easy decisions aren't always the best decisions. And, and what's really funny is people will go, yeah, that, that makes sense. That's the easy decision. And you'll get a lot of affirmation if you make the easy decision. Jesus often challenges us to do something difficult. Look at what he says. Jesus says, I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's not easy, but it's right. Jesus said, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Turning the other cheek isn't easy, but it's right. Jesus said, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Going an extra mile, not easy, but it's right. Jesus said, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you, persecute you isn't easy, but it is right. Sometimes we're called to do the difficult. And just because it's easy doesn't mean it's right. In Genesis here, it says, The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are to the north and south, east and west. All the land you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Hebron where he pitched his tents. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Is there ever been a... A, a picture so vivid of decisions. Lot pitches his tent toward Sodom, toward sin, toward wickedness. Abraham goes to the trees, builds an altar. That's where he pitches his tent. Here's the thing about pitching your tent too close to sin. It feels right at the beginning, some excitement to it. But in the end, it really is devastating. When I was in high school, I had a buddy who bought a boat. And um, I was probably 17, 18 years old. My buddy was 20. He's a little older than us. He bought a boat. It was actually my friend's brother. And uh, it had enough horsepower for us to ski. I don't know how much horsepower that would take now, 500 horsepower probably now, uh, but back in the day when I was skinny, it didn't take much. I think it was like a trolling motor. And, uh, uh, but we were able to ski. So we went out on, on Harrington Lake, which is about as wide as this stage. It's not really big. And, uh, and we, we decided we're going to go skiing, and we find this big spot. Now, my, my buddy Terry, he knew um, about physics. And uh, when you're skiing, and I wasn't very good, when you're skiing, if you, if you make the boat go in a little circle, whoever's skiing is on the outside of the circle. And the more you go around and around, the faster the person goes on the rope outside. Terry decided that would be a really good thing for me to experience. And so, I'm skiing, I'm holding on. It's fun. It's fun. Spray in your face. And then he starts to do the circle thing. And I'm going Mach 1. You ever seen those pictures where people are going really fast and their, their lips go up over there? Uh, I had bug in, bugs in my teeth. I couldn't see. Um, I opened my eyes for a brief moment, just, just squinting, just hoping I could see what was happening. I'm holding on. And the one thing you don't want to see when you're skiing uh, around an outside of a loop is the wake of another boat. Oh, I, I, thank you. I got O's. Uh, you know what's going on. Uh, you know what's going to happen. 
I hit that going, I'm pretty sure about 700 miles an hour. And um, I remember, the last thing I remember was the outside of my left knee hitting my right ear. I don't know how that actually worked. Uh, I know it's anatomically impossible, but somehow it worked that way. And I went underwater, (laughs) and if I'm lying, I'm dying. I I swear this is true. I popped my head up just in time to see the the skis skipping across the water, hit me in the head. And this is what sin is like. For a while, it's like, oh, you know, it's all unicorns and popcorn. And that's not even an expression. Uh, (laughs) There's probably an expression. There is now. Uh, Unicorns and popcorn. And uh, and it's all good. It's all fun. And then the next thing you know, it's spinning out of control. And you're getting hit in the head with a ski. Uh, That's what sin does to you. And so Lot pitches his tent toward Wickedness. He doesn't go in, yet that's the problem. You get too close, kind of drags you in. So there's, there's sort of this magnetic pull of wickedness and sin, kind of pulls you in. So, first thing, easiest path isn't always the best path. The second thing is this, selfish decisions are rarely godly decisions. Now, sometimes you have to make selfish decisions. If you're giving and giving and giving, sometimes you have to just say, I've got to, for my own health, you know, back out for just a bit. I have to say no, you know, every once in a while. But, but understand something. That's not what Lot did. He looked at options and he just, he picked the selfish, he made the selfish choice. If he had been mature or godly, he would have said, well, Abram, everything I have is because of you. You get to pick first. When you get older and then you have parents that are even older, you realize at some point the sacrifices they've made for you. I was 10 pounds, 11 ounces as a baby. Well, I was born 10 pounds, 11 ounces. My mother's going to be here next week. You want to know what my mother gets? Anything she wants. I owe, I've owed her for all my life. I, don't, I didn't realize it for all my life, but I know now. When your parents have done something for you, you get to a place sometime in your life where you go, really, I, I, I need to, <laughs> I got to pay them back some. I got to pay them back a little bit. And here you have, Lot isn't there yet. And he makes a selfish decision. And in Philippians 2, 3, 4, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. It's, it's, we, we can call it the 2, 3, 4 principle. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider other, others better than yourself. And I got to thinking, if we did that, how would it change the world? Newsweek did a survey, I think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago, and the, and the Newsweek survey was... Um, if, you, if your wildest dream could come true, what would you wish for? 38% wished to win the lottery. 1% wished for world peace. <laughs> but you don't need a survey to tell you that we live in a selfish world. We have a type of photo called a selfie. I mean, it's not like we're getting less selfish. In fact, we're getting more selfish. And so if I were to apply, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but consider others better than yourself, how would that change my life? I started to think about it. How would it change the way I drive? So I put it into practice this morning. I had the best drive into church this morning I've ever had, mostly because it was 7.30 and nobody else was out. Uh, But just so you know, it 
it, it will change your life. If you stop doing things just for yourself, if you start doing things considering others, it will change your marriage, change the way you use your time, it will change the way you work, the way you give. Here's what's interesting to me, and, and this is the question. Would you have made the same decision Abraham made? Could you choose to be second? Do you choose to be second? Abraham basically was testing Lot, I think. Is he going to be a giver or is he going to be a taker? And in our lives, it's really important if we look at life, am I a giver or am I a taker? Which am I? It's really interesting to me. There was a survey done by Verizon, and um, it talked about uh, which are the kindest people, which is the kindest state. And they asked questions like, if you, would you give part of your uh, you know, liver to somebody uh, if they needed it? Would you give people money if they were in need, that kind of thing? Uh, which, are the kind, which is the kindest state in America. And Verizon did this study. They interviewed thousands of people. Would you like to know which is the kindest state in America? Kentucky. That's right. South Carolina was 28. You're in the last second half. I mean, you're not even, you're not even in the top half. That's okay. I'm here to help you. Uh, so, Abraham made a decision to be second. It's tough. He also made a decision, which really is interesting, by the way. He made a decision to trust God to provide even if he didn't get the best. Because he didn't get the best. Of the two choices, economically, he didn't get the best. Of the two choices, Lot took the best economic choice. But God then promised Abraham, Oh, by the way, I'm going to give you everything. Do we trust that God can provide for us even if we choose to not go first? It's a really important question. Now, it's hard to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah and the story of Lot without at least dealing for a moment or two with the idea of God's judgment. God judges Sodom and Gomorrah for their wickedness. In fact, he informs Abraham, hey, I'm about to destroy this city. See, we, want it, we think about and we like to think about God's love and his mercy and his grace. God has also got a judgment. And so God says to Abraham, hey, man, I'm about to take out Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and God and Lot have this, um, God and Abraham have this sort of negotiation. It's really interesting. And God sends messengers to tell Lot that he needs to leave. Something bad is about to go down. Because God provides a way out. The Bible often tells us, no temptation will come upon you that's greater than you can stand. God will provide a way out. And so, there are angels and they arrived in, at, in Sodom. They, they looked like men. They arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. This is really interesting. Remember, he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Now it appears that he lives in Sodom. And if you're in the gate, you're probably at least an official of Sodom. He went from being close to being in to being a leader. And Lot 
It was warned. And this is what's really interesting about this. Lot encourages these two angels that look like men to come to his home. Because tradition in that era, in that uh, generation, the Middle East at that time, if you were a traveler and you didn't have a place to stay, you would just sort of camp out in the city square. But Lot knew that was dangerous for these people. He knew that there would be people who would sexually assault them if they did that. And so with encouragement, he gets these two angels who look like men to come into his home. And it's evening. The darkness falls. And what happened? It happened the way Lot knew that it would happen. And there were men and they came and they wanted these angels who looked like men to come out so they could have sexual relations with them. And then what Lot does is so, so horrific. Uh, as a dad of daughters, this, this is... I, I, I can't even understand it. He offers these men outside his home. He offers to send out his virgin daughters. The wickedness of the city had gotten into Sodom, uh, into Lot's heart. Because there's nothing but wickedness there. Here's what happens when we pitch our tents in the wrong direction. We have a tendency to end up where we never wanted to end up. Now, I've got good news. God still loves every one of us who've pitched our tents toward where we shouldn't have pitched our, pitched our tents. I am a testimony of that. You pitch your tent in the wrong direction and you get involved in wrong things and it doesn't change God's love for us. And He makes a way out. And here's some a word of advice. Break with sin quickly and completely. Look what happens. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, and, uh, or you'll be swept away when the city is punished. And when he hesitated, when he hesitated. Isn't that just sad? It's just sad. Lot, come on. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. So, when you're making decisions, understand a couple of things. The easiest path isn't always the best path. Bad company corrupts good character. Selfish decisions are rarely godly decisions. God provides a way out. Quick breaks are better than easing out. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, the first thing is, uh, if you happen to make a decision and it's just so easy, I would wonder about it. Sometimes choose the difficult. Maybe God will teach you something in the difficult. The second thing is, and we're going to kind of go through these fast. Second, set up an altar. That's what Abraham did. It seemed to work out. Pray about it. Lord, what, what do you want me to, to do here? Where do you want me to go? Then seek godly counsel. The Bible says here, plans go wrong for lack of advice. 
So you ask some godly people, where do I need to go? I read a really kind of interesting story. Um, this young lady by the name of Marty Ensign, she um, worked with a missions organization, and they had flown, they were having a missions conference, and they had flown some pastors from Africa. Uh, I think they were in Charlotte, actually. They were in Charlotte, and, and um, uh, they had flown them in, and, and these pastors from Africa had some free time, and they wanted to go shopping, and they wanted to look around a little bit just to see what was out there. And so she gave them her phone number, and she said, if you get lost, then call me, and I'll come get you. Because, I don't know about you, but even if you walk around a little bit, it's easy to get turned around in a city. It just kind of is. And so these guys uh, set out for their uh, shopping spree, and, and they got lost. And one of them called um, th- this late Marty, and, she, and they, he said, I'm lost. I don't know where I am. And she said, well, tell me what, what intersection you're at. Go, go to the street corner and look at the sign and tell me where you are. And he walks out, and he says, well, I'm at the corner of walk and don't walk which isn't what you need, right? I have my daughter, Mallory. <laughs> Mallory called me one time and she said, Daddy, I don't know where I am. How do I get home? Uh, that's kind of <clears throat> kind of how we do sometimes. We don't know where we are. And so that's why we pray. We just set up an altar and we say, God, I need you to help us know where to go. And fourth, you trust even difficulty, even if it's hard. Even if you think, you know, this is an easy decision, but I'm going to make the more difficult decision, then you trust because the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Sometimes you don't know what's best. And there's a verse in Scripture, I I, I mean, I need to tell you how the story with Lot ends. Um, Really, after Genesis 19, you don't hear anything about him. There's a verse in Scripture that says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Just how it works. We try to deny it, and we try to act like it doesn't work that way, but it does work that way. So Lot and his wife and his two daughters exit the city, and his wife doesn't even make it out of the city, and they find themselves in a cave, Lot and his two daughters, and it just goes from bad to worse. And it's, if it wasn't in Scripture, I wouldn't tell you about it. But it, what it says is, this is like an episode of Jerry Springer, frankly. His two daughters devise a plan. They don't know how they're going to have kids. And so they devise a plan to get their father drunk so that he will impregnate them. Sin didn't just get into Lot. And wickedness didn't, didn't just get into Lot. It got into his family. Let's end on a high note. Lot hesitated. The men grasped his hands and the hands of his wife and daughters and led him out of the city. (coughs) For the Lord was merciful to them. The Lord was merciful. There's a scripture that I love that says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. He is patient with you. He is patient with us. So, when, we're, when we pitched our tents in the wrong direction, he's patient with us. When we pitch our tents in a way uh, toward a, a direction we don't need to go, patient. I love that about him. He's patient with us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your patience and kindness and mercy and love. We pray now that you would guide us and help us to make wise decisions as we go forward. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.